Are you a high-performing real estate investor who's looking to further elevate your performance? If so, download our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits by joining our insider network at elevatepod.com. This guide created by yours truly has the power to put your transformation on autopilot and exponentially change your trajectory. Go get your free copy now at elevatepod.com. If you're looking to take your business and life to a whole new level and you're committed to investing in yourself, you're invited to apply for one-to-one coaching with me, which you can learn more about at coachwithtyler.com or sign up for the life-changing Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy, where together with our tribe, you'll learn how to elevate your game, make more money and have more freedom. Check out the free masterclass at elevatecoachingacademy.com. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful to be sitting with an incredible, incredible, remarkable individual, Sean Swarner. Let me just tell you, I'm telling you right now, if you thought that there were some impossibilities in your life, just go ahead and get rid of those immediately because we are going to redefine what impossible is. I can tell you right now, if you think that Elevate has gone in certain directions, well, let me just tell you that we're going to take it way beyond what you ever imagined was possible. I'm telling you right now, this individual is incredibly remarkable. Every single one of you listening today has what it takes to also be as remarkable or even more than this individual and Sean Swarner today. Let me just tell you today, you're going to learn so much. You're going to learn so much about what mindset and attitude can do for your future. What big goals and dreams and lifestyle that you can create when you persist, when you take one more step, when you keep climbing, because, oh my goodness, this is an incredible episode. I'm just telling you right now, buckle up. Today is a phenomenal day. Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal growth for high-performing real estate investors. And today is no different because it's all about mindset. It's all about mind expansion. It is all about taking one more step. It's all about visualization, right? You're going to learn about how to visualize massive goals and how to use that mind-body connection to accomplish anything that you want to accomplish today. You're also going to learn about how crafting your personal core values can impact your future, how doing something bigger than yourself can allow you to do things that you would have never imagined possible. Oh my goodness, this is an incredible episode and I'm so excited to bring this to you. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and high performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar. By the way, before we dive in here, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, to subscribe to Elevate Podcast. Give us a rating and review. If you are so inclined, we'd love to receive a five-star rating from you. And so thank you so much. If you have not paid it forward already, just make sure that you pay the fee because all we ask is that you send this or share this to one other person, whether it's a friend, colleague, neighbor, you know, family member, you name it, share Elevate Podcast with one other person. I'm telling you right now, this episode today in particular will change lives. It will, it could possibly change your life. 
in many profound ways. So I want to encourage you to open your mind to what is possible and what is about to happen right now. This episode is phenomenal. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. And while we dive in, I want to introduce you to Sean Swarner, who is the only person to climb Mount Everest, the highest mountain on every continent, ski both poles, and complete the Hawaii Ironman. After, all after two terminal cancers, a 14-day prognosis, a year-long coma, and with only one lung, okay? This is bringing a whole new meaning to the rare air questionnaire in so many ways. Oh my goodness, buckle up and enjoy this phenomenal conversation with the great Sean Swarner. Sean Swarner, my man, welcome to Elevate. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great, man. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. No, I am so pumped. I'm so amped for this conversation because honestly, when we created this podcast, you know, the theme behind Elevate is keep climbing, right? It's keep going. It's one foot in front of the other and in face in the face of massive challenges and massive roadblocks, we keep going and we persist no matter what, right? That is your story, my man. So like, my goodness, how does it feel to be on Elevate based on who you are and, and everything that you are? And I, I can't wait to describe everything that you're about to the audience, but how does that feel for you? Does it feel as as surreal as it does for me? It's, you know, sometimes it does. And, and it's, it's kind of funny because when you said keep climbing, I was like, huh, I actually have that trademark. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I know, and I know that, but that's the theory behind it. Just really resonates yeah. with me, you know. Well, and it is just just like getting to any mountain, like like the one behind me, Kilimanjaro. You know, I'm leaving July 24th for my 21st trip up Kili, and it's literally one step in front of the other. And so many people don't understand that. You you if you take more than the the oxygen up there is so spread out that it's physiologically impossible to move faster than a slow slug. Mm. You know, you have to take one step. But going up Everest, it was literally one half of a step and then standing there breathing 15, 20 times, then a half of another step, breathing 15, 20 times. You know, it literally is one step at a time. Wow. And even, I mean, with one lung, I mean, we'll get into that, but like, <laughs> are you kidding me right now? I mean, when people, you know, they talk about their limitations, they talk about the things that are holding them back. We're going to shatter all that today. So let's go. And Sean, before we dive into this conversation, one of the things that I love to do with my guests is to really get more of a perspective of you, right? I really want to understand you, but the way that I do this, and I, hopefully you enjoy this. So, so play ball with me here. If you were to describe yourself in the way that your closest friends or family members would describe you, like what would they say about you? That's actually a great question because I just had a conversation with a guy I've known since college. I was his best man at both of his weddings. Unfortunately, I got a divorce. The second one, I was I was getting ready for the, the best man speech at the second wedding. And I sent him, I sent him the intro line. I was like, good to see everybody here again. He's like, no, dude, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> well, he he told me not too long ago that he's known me for what 20, 25 years now. And he's like, you still surprise me. He's mm. like, I, I will never figure you out. <laughs> So maybe not necessarily shocking, but surprising, but also resilient, I would say. Yeah, I love that. What do you think is so surprising about you? Why are you still surprising someone that knows you so well? Because I, I think so many people get into a rut. 
I think so many people get it. They, they get into that comfort zone or they get to the top of their mountain peak, whatever it might be. And they're like, I'm good. You know, with, with everything I've been through, I am going to constantly push the envelope. I'm going to constantly step into fear purposely because more than anything, I think I am more afraid of not living than I am of dying. Mm. And, and I, I want other people to understand that as well, because once you get comfortable, that's great. Yay. Good for you. You know, you're not challenging yourself. You're not growing anymore because growth happens through challenge. That, that one, like we've got to let that sink in. You know what I mean? Like, you're saying you're more afraid of not living than dying exactly. and that fear. You step into fear purposefully. Could you expand upon that thought? I've survived two terminal cancers. I've, I've, I've looked death in the eye numerous times. I was read my last rites. I was given 14 days to live for crying out loud. You know, I, 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 I know what it's like to be on your deathbed. I mean, it, it just, let me, let me put it this way. How, how would you feel if you were going to bed tonight? And you were terrified to close your eyes because you, you weren't sure if they were going to open the next morning. I can't imagine. I did that night after night after night after night. That became my MO. That became my normal. So I, I, I became comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. It's almost like this was given to you so that you can now spread this message. I do want to talk about this a little bit. I mean, your experience in being diagnosed twice with terminal cancer I mean, one time, 14-day prognosis to live, right? You know, I mean, talk to me about that. I mean, unrelated, in your teens, three years apart, I mean, what was going on? First of all, you just described a little bit about that uncertainty every night, right? You're going to bed, and you're like, I don't know. I, I may not ever open my eyes again. So what else was on your mind during this experience? Well, <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> Your mind was racing, right? I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, the, the first thing that came across was when you asked that question was not necessarily what was on my mind, but what wasn't on my mind. Mm. And what wasn't on my mind was necessarily the petty things. Yeah, because the first cancer was 13, second cancer was 16. I essentially was sick for my entire teen years. And, you know, that's, that's basically eighth grade to senior year in high school, right? Oh, yeah. So when you're at that age, you're so focused on being popular. Yeah. You're so focused on the, the clicks, the in crowd, you know, the sports, the jocks, the nerds, whoever it might be at the time. And they're all focused on not making mistakes. They, they don't want to, want to be made fun of. They don't want to be bullied. You know, all those things. None of that mattered to me. I didn't care about the popular, the popular crowds. I didn't care about the popular clothes. I didn't care about having hair. I, I'm glad I have it. And you probably wish you did, you know? Oh, man, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Are you serious right now? <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it was, it was because I, I, I was forced to see things from a different light. You know, when, 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 you're, when you're literally staring the Grim Reaper in the face for years, you realize that petty stuff doesn't matter mm. or that stuff that you think matters. It, it, it really doesn't, you know, family, friendship, health, happiness. You know, and, and I realized a long time ago that happiness wasn't something that, that was out there. You know, I'm, I'm not going to buy another home and, and, and think to myself, Oh, that house is going to make me happy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. 
You know, the, the, if, if, I, if I go buy a, a, a new car, you know, or whatever, a boat, that, that's not going to make me happy. Happiness is a choice. And even when I was going through my treatments, I, I, I knew they were going to suck. But with the proper attitude, and just like being in the mountains, you know, going, and we'll get, probably get to this, but going to the North Pole, it was 80 below zero. Wow. But with the right attitude, it sucks less. Mm-hmm. So from the proper perspective, you can endure anything and, and find reason and purpose behind it. So talk to me about that. I mean, I definitely want to get into that. I want to talk about the right attitude and how you can endure anything. But before we get there, I mean, talk to me. I mean, if you were to reflect back on that experience, I mean, you're talking about your basically your entire high school, you know, life, you right. were dealing with death every single day, you were facing death in the face. And you overcame it, you beat it. So what would you attribute that victory to? I mean, that is truly, that's a victory, right? You won. So what would you attribute that to? I think everybody wants to have that silver bullet. Mm. You know, what, was it modern medicine? Was it, was it uh, positivity? Was it prayer? You know, was it fate? Whatever it might be. I honestly think, and there, there's a movie called The, uh, the Perfect Storm, right? Where everything comes yeah. and crashes this little boat. I think it, the same thing happened with me where it was a perfect storm, but for everything that came together, it was good. So it was just everything all at the right moment at the right time. And I think it was modern medicine, family support, prayer, and just an inner will to get up out of the hospital bed. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and again, going back to one step at a time, my first goal literally was to crawl eight feet from the hospital bed to the bathroom. So I wouldn't soil my, so I wouldn't soil the sheets. I mean, I remember and, and not getting too vulgar, but I remember being in the hospital bed, not making it to the bathroom and, and literally projectile vomiting all over the bed. Mm. You no. Know? And, and, and that's not a, a, a fun moment to relive. It's not a fun moment to think about or even share. So I think it was a combination of a lot of things. And, and one of them too is, is what I teach people still is whether you think you can or you can't, you're absolutely right. Yes. And you have to oftentimes believe it before you see it. You know, everything that's, that's ever looking at, you know, the microphone you're using, the headphones you're using, um, the hat that I'm wearing, the shirt you're wearing, the, the poster on your, your, your wall back there, every single thing, the, the technology we're using, Zoom, every single thing that is in use right now was at one time a thought, just a concept. Someone believed it in, in, in it enough to follow through and actually do something with it. Mm-hmm. So you have to, no matter what it is, you have to believe it before you see it. So in that moment, how did you believe that you would overcome? Because I'm sure you're getting bad news left and right. People are, <laughs> hey, I'm praying for you. I really hope, that, you know, and they're programming you, right? They're programming you even further, perhaps negatively. Some people maybe were progr- pro- programming you in a positive direction, but how did you believe before you saw that victory? The, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'd, I'd never even thought about it until you said this, you know, the other people were potentially, potentially programming my brain to see it negatively. You're, you're right. Hey, Oh, how you doing? Are you, are you feeling okay today? Right. Tone so of voice. Yeah. yeah. Any, anything you need, which makes me, go back to what I always tell my, my wife, myself, my friends, what I say is about me. What you hear is about you. Ooh. Right. Ooh. And, and, and that can be used in any situation, especially when you're sick, you know, it can be used for, 
uh, well, I, I don't want to get too deep, <laughs> but you know, it could be used for religion. It could be used for race. It can be used for um, any sickness. It doesn't matter. What I say is about me. What you hear is about you. So how I interpret it, what someone's saying, that, that's entirely up to me mm-hmm. because no one can affect this. You know, no one can get in here except for me. I'm the one who programs my brain, not the news, not other people. It's my choice to see the world the way I want to see it. But most people are the default mechanism of their environment, right? So what's the difference, right? Because many people are programmed by what they hear. It seeps into their subconscious mind. It becomes a part of their identity. So what is that for you? I mean, are you you guarding the gates of your mind, so to speak? Or how does that work? We, I mean, human beings are creatures of repetition, right? And if we're not careful, we can have our, bro- our brains programmed for us or we can program them ourselves. So for example, going back to humans being repet- uh, creatures of repetition. Yep. Um, when you woke up this morning, you, prob- you probably have a, a morning routine you do. Sure, absolutely. What do, uh, what do moms and dads do in the morning? What do um, meteorologists do in the morning? What do Olympic athletes do in the morning? They have a pattern, they have a routine. If you want something different, do something different. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to look at the situation, just like going up any mountain. You, you don't show up at base camp and look up to yourself and get overwhelmed and say, holy shit, that's, that's a big mountain. <laughs> it, it is, but you break it down to manageable bite-sized chunks, one step at a time, as we talked about before. Mm-hmm. So no matter what situation you're in, Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Change one thing that you have control over. One thing. And it could be, you know, waking up in the morning instead of getting on your phone, go for a walk. Look around. Be, be grateful for what you have. Don't look at what you don't have. You know, that, that was one of the things I, I understood too. Is, I mean, I was, I was 60 pounds overweight, bald from head to toe, on my hands and knees, sobbing on the shower floor. And I remember pulling chunks of hair out of the drain just so the water could go down because it was, it was building up. And I realized I didn't want to focus on not dying. I wanted to focus on living. Hmm. You know, at 13 years old, I, 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 I looked at it that way. So, and, and I still, I still go to bed and I, am, I, I tell my wife and I actually write five things down, but then we share them. I write down five things I'm grateful for and why I'm grateful about one of them. Mm. So that way I go to bed, not thinking, oh man, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I, I forgot to do, no, I go to bed being grateful for what I was able to accomplish. I'm not focusing on what, what I didn't do. That is a great practical tip for everybody to take action on. And I, I just wrote it down myself. I really appreciate that. So going back to that experience, I mean, your first goal, you set a small goal. It was like, I just want to crawl to the bathroom, crawl the bathroom. Right? eight feet from there you continued to crawl, right? It was small goal, small goal. It was the next checkpoint. And then from there, you said, look, I'm going to live and I'm going to go big. So talk to me about that experience, that thought process, because all achievement starts with a belief, right? But tell me about that experience. Well, you're right. Eight feet from the hospital bed to the bathroom. Then I got in the, the, the wheelchair and wheeled myself around the nurse's station. Then I wheeled myself around the hospital floor. Then I got in the elevator, checked out other things. Then I got out of the wheelchair and I started walking around and checking out the hospital. And then when I got home, I walked around the block and I started running and I started moving myself a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. But as as far as where where (laughs) Everest came from, 
That's that's a great question. There are a couple <laughs> points in my life where, like in college, for example, um, I was reliving my high school years. I, I turned into Belushi from Animal House. I mean, I was a nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like, You're I, catching I, up. I, absolutely. I mean, my my high school years were taken from me. I, I didn't party. I didn't do anything. I, I never got in trouble. Or maybe I just figured out how to not get caught. Um, <laughs> but then in grad school, it was the first time I actually stepped back and looked at myself in the mirror and asked those deep questions. One, hey, what did cancer mean to me? You know, how did it affect my life? Because I, I, I thought about it going through, through college day in, day out. It, it, a perfect example, dating. Um, you know, it's, it's not like you... you take a girl out and then, Hey, you know, how's your salad? Great. My chicken's fantastic. I'm a cancer survivor. It's, it's not, it's not a different <laughs> conversation, you know, pretty heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, for the longest time, I tried to figure out how to even bring it up mm. because for the longest time, like I said, I was afraid to close my eyes and that became my future. That moment became my future. And then all of a sudden the doctor said, Hey, Sean, you're in remission. Go live your life. Everyone around me was, was freaking ecstatic. Yeah. They were super happy. Oh, Sean's going to live. I was happy too, but I, I had no sense or concept of future. I didn't know what I was going to do. So anyone who goes through something traumatic, it affects you. A car accident, um, you know, abuse, um, cancer, uh, a, a broken leg, you know, whatever it might be, whatever's traumatic to you, whatever's traumatic to that person, it can change you, but you can choose how you want it to change you. You can come out on the other side a victim or you can come out a victor. Mm. So I chose to become a victor by asking myself those questions. And it's not easy. I mean, it's, it's difficult stuff. It's deep, but it's only involving you. So if, if you scare yourself, don't do it. Don't ask yourself, you know, hey, what does this mean to me? Or who are you? What do you want from life? Because we're only here for a short amount of time, man. So choosing how it affects you by asking yourself questions, which, you know, the two paths, as you described, are I'm either a victim or a victor, right? So what are those questions? Well, what do you want from life? And I, how, how are you going to live that life? You know, I think the biggest one is what are your personal core values? And, what, and by understanding what your personal core values are, you, you understand essentially your path in life. And now, now you have a route that's going to direct you and guide you in making decisions. So I think that's huge. So a lot of people have taken, uh, you know, core values assessments or they, they write down core values, but I actually, I've, I, I take a step further and I've, I've developed my own, per, my own core values assessment, 60 different values. Every three weeks, I actually write down the 10 of them. And then I rate that rate them on a scale of one to 10, how I'm actually living that value. Mm, I like that. So that way it's, it's not just, I have a list of values and I'm like, okay, these are what I value. That, that, that doesn't do anything. Looking at where I'm actually lacking, I can start focusing my attention on what means most to me, because let's say I have family as, as a personal core value and I'm actually living that, that value at a four or five, bam, I know where I need to start, start spending more of my attention and my energy. Yeah. Awareness is power, right? Absolutely. Once you understand how you're showing up, then you can start to make a change. But you know what? Your story to me is so inspiring because of the fact that, you know, many of the people listening, they may have either had traumatic experience or maybe they've even had less than traumatic experiences that 
you know, maybe they need to check in with and ask themselves, are they acting as a victim or a victor, right? And this is an opportunity for everyone to almost draft off your experience. And you can use this to impact other people and people are receiving that impact without having to go through such a trauma and such a terrible, really, experience, which I can imagine has scarred you in some ways, but it's also been a great gift in many ways as well. So that's what's also amazing about this, right? So we can all check in. We can all check in with our personal core values and say, hey, how do I want to live this life? How do I want to give to other people? How do I want to maximize my talents and everything that I was meant for? And so as you proceeded forward, you said, look, I'm going to climb Mount Everest. I mean, like, that's the most epic thing I've ever heard. I mean, at the end of the day, like Mount Everest is the most incredible you know, peak that we have on this planet. And you said, look, I don't care if I have one lung. I don't care if, you know, I haven't, I wasn't able to experience high school. I'm going to become the most epic explorer this planet has ever seen. So tell me a little bit about that and how you approached that and what that was like. <laughs> Again, wow. how much time do we have, right? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that when I first came up with the idea, I was going to grad school and working on my master's and my doctorate in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. And I don't, I'm sure you, you, you probably know this, but there aren't too many mountains down there. <laughs> not too many, not maybe one. I don't think one. Eh? <laughs> the, uh, actually the highest point in Florida is the top of the four seasons hotel in Miami. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> so, my brother and I packed up my Honda Civic. We moved to Colorado um, and we actually lived out of the back of my car and we camped for a couple months before we even found a place to live. Nice. And we were homeless. My office was uh, a payphone bank at the campsite and the library. This was after you graduated uh, school or how was this? After, yeah. After I graduated college, okay. actually, um, I, <laughs> I can say I took a sabbatical, but I'm not going back. So I, I'll say I dropped out <laughs> of, of grad school. Got it. Uh, and that's when we drove to Colorado. So 24, 25, 26 years old. So did you already have the idea in your mind that you were going to climb Mount Everest at this point? And you were like, I'm moving there because I want to start training. That's exactly why we moved. Got it. And then Got 10 it. months later, I climbed Everest. So did you just want to climb Everest to prove to yourself that you could? Or what was the thought behind it? The thought behind it was honestly that, you know, I had been given a second, a third, maybe even a fourth lease on life. And I look back at everything I've been through. And I realized that after I was placed in remission, a year later, I actually won my high school's league track meet in the 800 meter run. You know, I don't know if you know anything about it. I, I ran a 156 with one long. So I was like, that's, that's not too shabby. You're a badass. And, <laughs> but, but, but the only difference between me and anybody else, you know, looking at the mountains I've done and the adventures I've been, I probably just have a, a warmer jacket than most people. Mm, okay. You know? <laughs> that's it. Born and raised in a small town of Willard, Ohio, uh, and and realizing that I, I wanted to utilize my my God given talent of the mind body connection, mm. because I could visualize myself and see myself, and I knew even before we went to Colorado, my I made my mind up, man, it was going to happen. It was going to happen, and. <clears throat> I wanted to use it as the highest platform in the world to scream hope, to give something back to, to people touched by cancer. Cause I'm, I'm sure like if, if you look around the world now, I mean, cancer is a global epidemic. Yeah. And I'm sure. Do you, do you know anyone touched by cancer? Absolutely. There you go. So, Oh, and real quick, 
when we go up Kilimanjaro, I always take names of people touched by cancer on a flag. If anybody wants to donate and, and add a name, you can donate a dollar and add a and add hundred names, or you can donate a million dollars and add one name. It doesn't matter. It's a, a buck. Um, That's awesome. We'll put a link in the show notes of how the listeners can do that, by the way. Oh, that, that'd be fantastic. Thank you. Um, but with Everest, that's where the, the flag the flag idea came in into play. Um, we had one that was probably two feet by a foot. And it was folded up in my chest pocket, always close to my heart, you know, as, as a reminder of my goals and, what I, and why I was doing what I was doing. So all the names of people who've been touched by cancer, they were people, you know, they were, they were pulling me up the mountain. Mm. And when I got there, I, I unfurled this flag and wrapped it around the summit of the world, essentially commemorating the struggle of cancer patients worldwide. Wow. But that was the hope. And that was the reason, because after doing some research, I found that no cancer survivor had made it to the top of the world. No cancer survivor had even attempted Everest. So I thought if someone's going to do it, why not me? And why not for the right reasons? Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business, or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. So let's decode this a little bit because the, there's two things that I'm seeing. Number one, you declared, you know, you declared that this was going to happen, right? And you had no doubt in your mind, like, this is what I'm doing. And it's to declare hope and show and, and have a symbolism of hope for others who have gone through what you went through and other people who may have not won that battle, right? So there was a purpose beyond yourself. Absolutely. And, and when you made that connection and you had the right attitude that I can endure anything, and that I can take one step and then I can take the next step. The first step was, hey, let's go to Colorado. Let's camp and let's figure it out. And then let's start walking up a mountain, right? Let's start figuring this thing out. Maybe I'll get a little bit of more physical endurance, right? Is there anything else that you would add to that? That's pretty much it. I mean, when we got to Everest Space Camp, I, I knew I was going to make it barring, uh, you know, anything that, I, that was out of my control, like uh, altitude sickness, avalanches, uh, me falling into a crevasse. Right. You know, any, anything like that. But because I'm, I'm, I'm I, I'm a huge, um, I, I utilize vivid visualization all the time. So I pictured myself on top and it's not just seeing myself taking those last steps to the summit. I hear the, the snow. It sounds like styrofoam crunching under my feet. 
You know, I can feel the sun burning my skin. I can mm -hmm. smell the ozone. You know, I, I utilize all my senses, but then I tap into something deeper where my emotions, you know, how, how do I feel when I'm taking those last steps? Cause that's, that's the biggest part, I think. You know, this really relates to many of the listeners who are high performing real estate investors who are like, man, I want to do this next big deal, or I want to, I want to grow my business. And it's all for an outcome, right? It's for a purpose. And if it's, if it's not, we need to check in with that. We need to course correct and say, well, what are our values, right? What are the values for what are we doing? And then what are the big things we want to accomplish? But, and you're talking about vivid visualization. I just, to me, that's something that we haven't spoken a lot about why is that so important? And why was that so important as you were planning to scale this mountaintop? <laughs> I actually, actually, I, I utilized it when I was 13 going through my first cancer. And I, I don't know if you've ever read the, uh, the comic Calvin and Hobbes. Yes, I have. Okay. So, you know, Calvin, he has his little tiger Hobbes and his alter ego was Spaceman Spiff. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yep. So he was this, this, um, this, this crazy character, he would always go into his brain, but I utilized that. I, I got into the stories, everything, I mean, loved Bill Watterson. And what I did was I actually visualized myself when I was getting my treatments in this tiny microscopic spaceship, right? And I was hanging out in my IV drip bag where the chemotherapy was. And I could visualize myself in that IV drip bag, that clear tube going into my body. And I remember coming down that tube and seeing my body laying on the hospital bed, the door, the door going out to the hallway, the television up, up there, um, mom or dad, depending on the day, sitting on the, uh, the reclining chair and then a window to the, uh, the outside of the hospital over there. But then I also visualized myself being shot into my body. Everything went dark and all these little millions of little microscopic spaceships gathered in the heart. Right. That was Grand Central Station or whatever. And I could I could see inside my 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 um, valves, you know, beating as the heart was going loved up. And I remember being shot through the heart and I followed a, a like a GPS dashboard. There was like a little blip. So if I got into, if I came to a Y into um, a vein, it would tell me to turn left or right. And I would actually show up and I would sneak up on the cancer cells and shoot it with missiles that were laden with chemotherapy. So cool. So cool. <laughs> so essentially as, as a 13 year old, I was fighting the cancer from the inside out. Wow. Right. So I figured if it worked there, it would work with my swimming. I started utilizing it for swimming and I would picture myself. I, I was a breaststroke. I would picture myself coming in, touching the wall and looking around and seeing myself body lengths ahead of the competitors. So I, I still have records from like 1987, 88. I was undefeated. And I started, I utilized that again for the, for Everest in the other mountains. And then I would start working backwards. Man, I, I want to talk about the Explorers Grand Slam. But before we get there, man, I, I want to make sure that we decode this part as well. You're talking about visualization, obviously, in overcoming cancer. There's a mind-body connection that we could really go deep in. Uh, we could also really go deep in, in terms of visualization and anticipation. There's a book that I read years ago called Psycho-Cybernetics. And I feel like what you're talking about is almost exactly what Dr. Maxwell Maltz talked about in terms of visualization and stepping into performance, right? I'm curious, you know, you're talking about some challenges and some big roadblocks in terms of climbing Mount Everest as an example, right? You know, avalanches or, or so on and so forth, right? We could go on and on and on in terms of all of the different potential challenges and major, major pitfalls. 
how important is anticipating fear or anticipating those challenges when you think about visualization? That's another key component to it. Because, uh, for example, climbing Denali, the highest mountain in North America, it's part of the seven summits, which is the highest mountain on every continent. I did the same thing going up, up Denali, where I visualized myself at the top, and then I worked backwards, thinking, okay, well, what could go wrong here? What could go wrong here? And I'm not getting hung up on it. You know, I'm not focusing on it. I'm preparing myself just in case. So that way, when, when and if something does happen, let's say you and I are roped up together, you know, like we're, and we're, we're going across the, uh, uh, a snow bridge and all of a sudden you disappear because you fall into a crevasse. First of all, I'm like, oh shit, I roll over. <laughs> I know exactly what to do because I've been there in my mind a million times. Yes, yes. So it, it's almost like muscle memory. Boom, boom, boom. Set up a Z line, pull them out, go check, everything okay. So I know how to deal with a situation before it even happens. Going into a boardroom, you, can, you, can, you, you know what those people are like. You know what they could potentially say to you. They could, they could either lift you up or bring you down. Hey, that's a, that's, that's a really dumb idea, Tyler. Right. But if you picture that and you know what's going to happen or you think you know what's going to happen beforehand, visualize that, come up with an answer before it happens. Yes. Absolutely, yes. So, Sean, I do this. And by the way, the brain doesn't know a difference between an imagination and reality. Exactly. That's it. I mean, and, and so now when that reality shows up, it's not that you're focusing on the negative and you're focusing on the pitfalls and the negative spiral, but you're ready to solve that problem. You're ready to be resourceful, pivot and do that thing because you've rehearsed it, right? Is, am, I, am I saying that right, Sean? Absolutely. 100%, man. So talk to me about the, so you climb Mount Everest, right? So you go through, and obviously this is an entire experience in itself. And I can only imagine, you know, how deep we could go on that, that experience in itself. But you were like, dude, I'm not stopping there. <laughs> I'm not stopping there. I'm going to summit the highest summit in every continent on this blue planet. So I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? So talk to me about that. I mean, what, talk to me about the thought process there. Well, you're right. After Everest, I, I jokingly thought, well, the rest has to be downhill, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wanted to use uh, that flag and take it to the top of each continent. So it's, it's, it's now called the hope flag. Um, and on the top of the highest point on each continent, it's, I'm sure they're probably, it's probably blown away. You know, it's tattered to, to pieces, but on the top of each continent has been a flag where I, I left it up there that had names of people touched by cancer. So not only was, you know, the first cancer survivor up there, everybody was up there together who's ever been touched by cancer. And, and it's, it's so just, cool. like, it's just like anything. Like when, when you're, when you're at the top of your game, when you're on the top of your peak, your mountain by yourself, and you're celebrating by yourself, what, there's no fun in that. No. You know, and I have never climbed any significant peak without a team. Mm. I've always celebrated with them because we've always lifted each other up. So I, I didn't summit Everest without the, uh, the Sherpas. I mean, those guys are tremendous people. All the other mountains, I, I've had climbing, climbing, uh, a climbing team, you know, climbing members. We were literally roped up to each other going up, up, up Denali. But because we went there as a team, focusing on the same core values, focusing on having fun, you know, again, Kilimanjaro, this will be my 21st summit, double the success rate of any other group. You know, the average success rate is 48%. We're at 98%. Wow. But I think it's because 
we're, we're the only group on the, on the, on the mountain, having fun, singing, dancing, telling jokes, having a great time. And the summit becomes a byproduct of having fun. So we're enjoying the process as opposed to being fixated on the summit. Mm, enjoy the process. That's, that's a pattern that I see from the world's top performers is enjoy the process, right? Because otherwise, if you don't have a goal behind the goal, you're going to be, you're going to be sad. You know, you're, you're, you're not going to feel, you're going to feel a bit empty, right? So we're always meant to expand and to define the new possibilities. But man, talk to me about what, like, what did you learn about yourself through this process, through the Explorers Grand Slam, not only the seven highest summits on each continent, but also skiing both the North and the South Pole, which is like insanely epic, by the way. What else did you learn about yourself through this experience? Well, the, the first the first thing I realized was that the Adventure Grand Slam sounds like a Denny's breakfast platter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> like, like I was going to make it to the North Pole and there was going to be a side of hash browns and bacon and whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I think I've learned that you, you never conquer the mountain. You, you truly do conquer yourself. Because if it's, if it's you versus Mother Nature, I guarantee you she's going to kick your butt every single time. Mm. You know, there, there's no force like Mother Nature that I've ever seen in my life. But I've also realized that when you spend a lot of time by yourself, going up Everest, even though I had the Sherpas, I mean, they, they spoke broken English. So I spent essentially a month and a half in a tent with my own thoughts. And I'm like, not the crazy thoughts, you know, I've, I've learned to ignore those, but <laughs> I've, I've learned a lot about myself. And I know that we are all more resilient than we think mm. we can handle more than, than, than we know. And the mind breaks before the body does. So if you were to define impossible, how would you define impossible? I would break it up into two words and it would be, I'm possible. Ooh, there it is. So what are you saying? Are you saying that there's nothing that's impossible? Well, I mean, if I wanted to jump out of my second floor house here, this window, and I really believed I could fly, I'd, <laughs> I mean, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I think if, if you really put your mind to it, and it's not like you're going to sit in a corner and, and, will it to happen you know it's not just going to manifest itself you have to put in the massive action behind it mm -hmm. combined with the thought that you're it, it is going to happen can i make sparks fly from my fingers absolutely not so i think there's there's a there's a reality that has to be be there to pull you back you know grounded in reality there, there's some things that are impossible yeah but the more you believe in what you're doing the more likely it's going to happen belief. It goes back to belief and it goes back to attitude and perspective and that we're more resilient than we realize, right? We're, we can handle Absolutely. more than we know. And like your story is so important to illustrate that, to show that. But what do you think limits human beings from going bigger? What is it that holds people back? The mind He's pointing to his head. The, the same thing, the, the same thing that holds people back is the same thing that pushes people forward themselves yourself. So what would you say to someone who's struggling with this right now? Who's got this voice in their head that says you can't, or if you did, you might fail, or you might be embarrassed, or you might find out that maybe there is some limits on yourself. What, what about someone who's having that voice or that internal dialogue with themselves? I would, I would tell them to go to the big hill and sign up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
<laughs> um, but in all reality, it, there are four things that usually hold people back. And I call them the gales, the gremlins, the assumptions, the interpretations, and the limiting beliefs. And the voice inside your head is usually the gremlin. You know, he's that little guy on your shoulder who, or girl, whoever, um, who's telling you, you're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You're, you're not fast enough. You know, you don't have the resources. But at one point in your life, that gremlin was there. Mine's Cooper. I call him Cooper. Ah, so, I like that. Put a name to it. That's good. Exactly. Too. So Cooper, um, at one point in my life. Cooper was there... sounds annoying too, by the way. Just, <laughs> he really does. Well, my, my, my gremlin, actually, it's not that um, you're not good enough. You, you're, you're not strong enough. It's that you will never do enough. You'll never be enough. Yeah. So I'm, I'm constantly yeah. trying to push myself more and more and more and more. But I'm slowly learning that I have done enough. I am okay. So I've, I've talked to Cooper before and I realized, hey, look, man, you were there at one point in my life to protect me from something, to protect me from getting hurt, to protect me from whatever it might be. However, we both want the best for me. So why don't we work together? Yes. So mine, I haven't named mine, but my gremlin says, hey, when you achieve that, then you can step back and relax and, and enjoy and celebrate when you do that, when you accomplish this. And I think it's really interesting to say, oh, hi, hello. Thank you for that comment. But no, I'm in charge, right? So let's strengthen the wise sage within us. So how do you do that? How do you strengthen the wise sage that says, no, thank you. I'm in control. How do you do that, Sean? Uh, being very mindful of the internal dialogue. Yeah, because who, who do you talk to more than anyone else, anyone else throughout the day? Yourself. Exactly. And how often is that self-talk negative? 80, 90% of the time? Now, would you be friends with someone who is that negative to you? No, I would not. Then, then, why, then, then why do you do it to yourself? Right. You can pull yourself down or you can lift yourself up. So as soon as you hear that internal dialogue, saying, oh, you can't do that, whatever. Or that next thing is, is going to, you know, you can relax after that. Right. You know, talk to him. I mean, I, I was working with a guy once who um, he wanted to double his income. And I kept digging more and more and more. I was like, well, why do you, why do you want to do that? And finally, it was because, oh, you know, when I, wait, when I make 300 grand, I'm going to be happy. Like, mm. so you're going to choose to be happy when you get to 300. Yeah. Well, there's that magic word. If happiness is a choice, why don't you choose to be happy now? Boom. Because, and, and the other thing too, is that money just amplifies who you already are. So we have to train who we would like to be now, no matter where you're at financially or otherwise. We're talking about mental programming. I, I feel like we're, we're kind of, we're training our brain, right? We're creating this identity. And you were talking about core values earlier. You know, it's almost like the habits are kind of what puts those into action, right? It's like conditioning our habits and being being thoughtful and conscious about where do we want to go and, you know, talking about, you know, leading into not only living a bigger life, but achieving sustainable productivity and being focused, being driven on living a large life and inspiring other people. So could you talk about what's the process? How do you recondition habits? How do you do that? I mean, in your own experience or, or even working with others, what does that look like for you? One day at a time. If, if you try to do 18 things a day, you're, you're going to, you get overwhelmed. You know, looking right. at the mountain as a big picture, like I said, it, you can't just jump from here to the top of the peak and be done. 
that you have to put in the work, you have to put in the effort and take your time. And, and the first step is utilizing and knowing how to utilize your personal core values. And then what you do after that is you reprogram your brain through neuroplasticity to be more open, to be more optimistic. So you can, you can actually, through neuro, neuroplasticity, reprogram and grow more synaptic connections in your left prefrontal cortex. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Then after you believe something's possible, after you've made that a habit, I call it the bookend habit. And actually this, this is in the, the bighillchallenge.com too, where I walk people through a three-week challenge, helping them understand how to motivate themselves. Because with, with most challenges or most programs, you'll have a, a, a quote-unquote guru saying, if you do A plus B, this will be your result. Right. And, and, and it's usually um, somebody saying, uh, you, you do these two things and then in a month you'll make a million dollars. The only person who's going to make a million bucks is the guy you're paying to teach you how to do something that's probably not going to work in the first place. The reason it doesn't work is because it doesn't resonate with you. Mm. So you have to. So that's what the, the, the Big Hill Challenge does. It helps you. It guides you utilizing your own personal core values to help you make proper decisions that work for you. So I'm the guy. I, I help you find your own path, your own route to the top of your mountain. And that's what people need to understand. Don't recreate what someone else is doing. Figure out your own route. So figure out, you know, if, if you're climbing and, and you're a technical climber, you can go up a rock face. You know, if you want to go up Kilimanjaro, you go for a hike. There are so many different people, so many different perspectives. Utilize your strengths, know what your strengths are, but build small habits. So bookend your day first, reprogram your brain, then jump into mindfulness, understand that how, how that happens, how that affects you, then understand the compound effect, utilizing all three of those. So don't try to jump into it all at once, figure out what works best. Once that's a habit, stack another habit on top of that and just keep going with that first habit, then stack another habit, then another habit and keep moving forward with what works best for you, not someone else, you. You know what I love about um, what I'm learning about the Big Hill Challenge right now is that what I believe, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, Sean, is that you are tying learning with to anchoring in in the nervous system this experience, right? And instead of understanding something intellectually, that's embodied, right? And now it's it's mm -hmm. in the cells of our body. And now we can apply this and this is sustained transformation. Am I saying that right, Sean? Ab absolutely. And, and people are... are, are they're getting out of their minds and they're getting more in the heart because they're tapping into their emotions. Why am I doing this? Oh, because I value family. Boom. Why am I doing this? Oh, because I value personal growth. You know, whatever it might be, there are 60 different values in there. And it took me months and months, if not years to put this thing together, you know, but it really helps. And it's, it's kind of along the, the old adage of you can, um, if, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach him to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. That's what this is. I'm not, I'm not giving you anything. You're figuring it out on your own, and that's what's going to last. So let me ask you this, Sean. You, you've summited the seven you know, largest summits across the world in, in, in all seven continents. Obviously, you know, I would imagine that Mount Everest was the most challenging. Am I assuming that correctly, or is there no? Which one's the most challenging? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Denali was. Denali was right? the most difficult. It took me three attempts to get up Denali. Wow. The first one, I, I slid 100 feet. 
um, I was roped up to my climbing partner. We had 50 feet of rope between the two of us. So I slid past him, you know, 50 feet to him and then 50 feet below him. Um, and then I remember I, I, I gathered my wits about me, climbed back up to where I fell and I belayed him in. Like I, I basically pulled the rope in while he was going so he wouldn't fall. And then when he got there, my, I was just shaking. My adrenaline was gone. And we got back to camp. I told him, I was like, dude, we have to go down. So we got back down to camp, the lower camp. And I remember sitting in my tent, looking up and I'm a big believer in signs too. Like, you know, just give me a sign. Let me know if this is right for me or not. And I leaned back in my tent and somehow my hood caught my glacier glasses and snapped them in half right in the nose. Wow. I was like, I kind of needed those, man. <laughs> so we, we left. The next year I went back up and we got more snow in two nights than the, the entire Alaska range did in that whole winter. So we, we bailed because the avalanche danger was too high. Then I came back a week later, bluebird skies, perfect schedule, made it up there, no problems, skied all the way back down. We skied from basically the summit down back down to base camp, 36 hours straight because a storm was coming in. Wow. We got, we got picked up by a, an airplane that had skis on the bottom. And as we're flying back to the runway, back where there's no snow, we were cranking the skis back up so the, so the wheels could help us land. So three attempts on Denali, it was just, and, and again, going back to mother nature, she's in control. I love that, man. Thank you for that story. That's really, really interesting. Um, now you've done Kilimanjaro now 21 times, right? You're about to do your 22nd. Uh, yeah. This will be my 21st. Yeah. We do it every okay. year as a fundraiser for a cancer charity. So you're going to do your 20 21st this year. Right. So why have you chosen Kilimanjaro for this continued repetition? Just out of curiosity. In all honesty, it's, it's on a lot of people's bucket list. Yep. I mean, it's, it's the highest freestanding mountain in the world. You start off at 5,000 feet at the gate and you go up to 19,342 feet. And you do that in, well, some people do it in five, but we do it in six and then we go back down to the seventh day. And after that, then we take a plane and we fly to the Serengeti and do it a four day safari in the Serengeti. But it's, it's a life-changing experience because like I said, it's, it's a fundraiser for a cancer charity called the Cancer Climber Association. And what we do is we pay for a survivor's trip every year, you know, all costs covered, but it's the responsibility of that survivor to raise funds for next year's survivor, kind of paying it forward and keeping it in the cancer family. Anyone can go. You know, I, I've taken my mom before. I've taken a 13-year-old to a 70-year-old. And it's just, it's so accessible. It's such a life-changing, beautiful inward journey as well and then you cap it off with looking at leopards and lions and elephants and giraffes in their native habitat you know and, and the hardest thing is to keep telling yourself this is not a zoo like if i get out of this truck i will i, I could be dinner <laughs> man it just that is so fun that's just so fun to think about i'm just going to tell you right now i'm committing in public right now, I'm going, let's go. I'm going with you. Let's go, Sean. I'm excited about it. And I, I, also, I also know that you have the power of editing at your fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. I feel good about it now, but we'll see when this thing releases, but man, you know what? That's amazing. And I just honor you so much. I just honor who you are and what you're continuing to inspire other people through. And you know what? One of the things that I wanted to ask you before we transition into our rare air questionnaire is as you're continuing to summit, as you're continuing to climb, like your, your phrase and your tagline is keep climbing. 
during that philosophy and during that lifestyle, as you continue to keep climbing, my guess is you still have that internal voice that says, no, just stop right now. Come on. Right. Like, do you have that? Is that still, do you fight that still? I, I, I used to, I don't anymore. So a, a <sighs> perfect example, like if, if you're training for a marathon running or whatever it might be, you're telling yourself something like, you know, don't stop. Don't make a fool of yourself. Again, that's that internal voice, right? Mm-hmm. That gremlin. Going back to that, that, that 13 year old on the, on the, on the bottom of the shower floor, I was focused on living as opposed to not dying. So if, if you're walking down the street and you're telling yourself, don't trip, don't trip, you're going to fall on your face. Exactly. <laughs> right. Turn it around from a different perspective and tell yourself to stand tall, walk strong. Same idea, same concept, different perspective. So now when I'm on the mountains, the big mountains, I have a mantra that I tell myself literally every single step. The higher I go with one foot, the stronger I get with the other foot. The higher I go, the stronger I get. The higher I go, the stronger I get. And by the time I get to the top, I've taken a million steps, maybe. That's a million positive note. Well, two million, because the higher I go, the stronger I get. That's that's two million positive thoughts. Boom. Man, I got to write that one down. The higher I go, the stronger I get. I mean, that that is, we can all use that. We can all apply that immediately. It's every single day. The higher I go, the stronger I get. The more repetition I take, the stronger I get. You know, the the more challenging conversations I enter into, the stronger I get. The more deals I do, the stronger I get. You know, the more problems I solve, the stronger I get. My goodness, are you kidding me right now, Sean? This is phenomenal. I want to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire because, hello, (laughs) like we're talking about rare air (laughs) with one lung, by the way. Let me just say that. And by the way, um, this is phenomenal. So thank you so much, Sean. If you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, is there anything that really comes to mind? The first one, and it's probably not going to relate to anyone else who's even listening to this, um, is called Mountaineering Freedom of the Hills. Okay. I studied that book. I read that book before I climbed Everest, and it probably taught me everything I needed to know um, about mountaineering. It literally, it literally saved my life. Well, that's important, right? I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something big, especially climbing Everest, I would imagine you need to understand the nuances, right? So that's a that's a great one. I'm actually gonna pick that up myself. Um, not to necessarily say I'm gonna climb Everest. Who knows? Maybe you'll talk me into it at some point, Sean. But I actually think it really illustrates how important it is to understand expertise, right? And to study and to consider that you don't have every answer. Does that resonate with you, Sean? Absolutely. I mean, we, we're we're both the teacher and the student. Yes. We, we can, we can learn something from every person on the planet because we all have a different perspective. That's, there's no doubt about that. Any other books that come to mind that have been really impactful for you? I would say, well, it's not even a book. Um, see if I can bring it up so you can see it, but it's, it's that journal that I mentioned that I created um, because it helps me with my personal core values. And it's, it's basically my personal story of, of my everyday life. Because I have, um, you know, my morning bookend, my evening bookend, and it helps me not compare myself to others, but it helps me compare myself to where I was yesterday. Love so it, it, this, I don't know if you can see it, but yep. that's if you're cool watching look. on YouTube, you'll see this, the summit yeah. challenge, summit challenge kind of disappearing in the background, <laughs> but it's, it's basically 
me writing my own story every day. You know, in, in a, there it is. My, you know, my, my morning bookend. Oh, shoot. Can you see it? Yep. yep. Morning Beautiful. bookend, evening bookend. So I would say this in, in, in scattered throughout here every three weeks is the, um, uh, the core values assessment. And every Sunday, there's something called a weekly recap. So I can go back and find trends that I've written down in my, my, my um, affirmations and trends that I found in my evening bookends. And again, that correlates back to my personal core values. That's super powerful. And I love just the theory of writing your own story every day because we are doing that whether we realize it or not or whether we're capturing it or not. And I know that there's so much more magic and power in writing and capturing and reflecting. And thank you for that. That's a great gift for everyone listening and everyone can apply that in their own way immediately. But Aside from our discussion today, Sean, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? I feed it with positivity. I surround myself with positive people. And by, by doing that, it, it changes what I'm doing. It changes my perspective as well. You know, meeting, meeting someone like you, it changes my life. Because you have relationships, not just with, with your spouse, your significant other, you have relationships with everyone. Like we've developed a relationship. You have a yep. relationship with the person who's putting your groceries in a bag at the grocery store. Even if it's for 10 seconds, you still have a relationship with that person. And you, that relationship can change other, someone else's life. You know, you, somebody's um, super depressed or think about suicide. Just, hey, how you doing? Boom. You may have saved their life. You don't even know. Yeah. You know, so... If, if you want to change what you have, who you are, change what you do. So I, I think that's one of the biggest ways that I, I elevate my life on a daily basis is I, I purposely surround myself with like-minded, positive individuals who want what's best for, for everyone. Sean, you've, you've changed a lot of lives today. There's no doubt about that. But what is the biggest way that you elevate your elevate, elevate others around you? If you want better answers ask better questions I'm, I'm sure you've heard that before so i sure. i think i elevate others by asking them empowering questions to make them think about their answers you know not necessarily uh, any, any questions where you can answer it with a simple yes or no you know i, I can't think of one off the top of my head <laughs> but any question where it's um yeah do you, you understand what i'm talking about yes no there you go right okay, right that's, open-ended yeah. questions right exactly yeah. So it helps them think about their answers and I call them empowering questions. Yes. So if you ask them empowering questions, you can help them dive a little bit deeper and to help elevate them to a, a different level. That's really good. And one, and I'll just stack on that. One thing that I've found is using the two words, what and how, Yeah. Absolutely. what and how starting those questions with what and how instead of why is important because sometimes why gets people into a negative spiral and perhaps even brings that gremlin out. So Thank you for that, man. You are amazing. You are remarkable. Sean, incredible, incredible conversation today. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd share with Elevate Nation? Parting thoughts. Wow. So I'm, I'm trying to think, how can we sum this up? You know, may, maybe people could develop their own rare air questionnaire of three questions that they want to ask themselves. You know, now think about what matters most to you, you know, maybe not necessarily the why, but the how, the what, and, and some other things, but come up with your own three questions that matter most to you that you can ask yourself every morning you wake up 
maybe what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? And, and maybe why does it matter? Mm. Now we're talking, my friend. Now we're talking. <laughs> oh my goodness, Sean Swarner, everybody. My goodness, what an episode. And Sean, I know that the listeners can find you at seanswarner.com, which we'll put a link in the show notes. They can also find you across social media. They can also find you at the bighillchallenge.com. They can learn more about what we discussed in this episode. But is there any other places where we can share with the listeners where they can find you? Uh, they can find me in Castle Rock, Colorado. Boom. <laughs> there it is. If you want to climb with this man, this individual, this unbelievable, inspiring individual, just go find him, right? Let's go do okay. that. <laughs> That's awesome. Sean, thank you so much for being on the show. I really want to encourage Elevate Nation to re-listen to the show because, you know, like we've been talking about so much here, repetition is the mother of all skill. And re-listening to this episode, I guarantee you're going to get new takeaways. And I also want to encourage you to share this with someone else, pay this forward, because the teacher is who learns the most. But also what the teacher does is the teacher identifies what are the three takeaways that I can take to my life and, and apply immediately. What can I do to take massive action? Because the only way that lasting change is going to occur from this is if you actually put it into action, you know, because if you just hear and you just understand, that's not the same as embodying the understanding. So take massive action until next time, Elevate Nation. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sean, you are incredible. Thank you so much for being on the show. Pleasure, man. Very grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Elevate Nation, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.